Island Church in Galveston, Texas, welcomes you to our podcast. Be encouraged by Pastor Rusty Martin as he teaches the Word of God. John chapter 15, we've been doing kind of in this study of growing up spiritually. We did a faith refresher. That went about three or four services. Now we're doing what we call a redemption refresher. This is our third week on that. John chapter 15 reads, I am the true vine, verse 1, and my father is the husbandman. Every branch that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. Every branch that beareth fruit, he pruneth it that it might bring forth more fruit. Now you are clean through the words which I have spoken unto you. Abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine. No more can ye, except you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. Everybody say, much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch, and is withered. And men gather them, and cast them into fire, and they are burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. Herein is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit. So shall you be my disciples. Now, we must understand that the teaching of redemption finds its strength not in the Gospels, not in the Old Covenant, but in the letters to the church. Actually beginning in our historical book, the book of Acts, which is the template for church today. And also Romans, and 1st and 2nd Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Colossians, 1st uh, and 2nd Timothy, 1st and 2nd Thess- Thess- Thessalonians. All of those what we call books uh, uh, that were written to the church. Now remember the Bible, you must accept the scripture in two different forms. There is that which is written for you and that which is written to you. Everybody say for me and to me. Now that which is written for you is written for you as an example. The Old Covenant is written for us as an example. We do not practice the Old Covenant. We don't bring lambs into church. We don't slit their throats. There's not blood offered. None of that. That's been done away with. Actually, one portion of the Bible says God has folded it up and put it away as one would put up a garment. That's done away with. Actually, done away is not a good term. That's been completed in Christ. He was the last sacrificial lamb. But now, these letters to the church, they carry great weight. God, Jesus didn't do a lot of teaching on redemption. This is referring to, you say, what do you mean by it? He's showing us the organic connection, the branch and the vine, that which is uh, uh, the branch which establishes the, the foundation and the root system, and the vine in which the fruit is produced. We are the vine. He is the branches. We are connected to Him like the, like the fruit-producing part of a tree is connected to the branches of the tree. That's called being in Christ. That means what's in Him is in us. What's in the root system, what's in that great big trunk, what's in the branches that fall out like that, and what is being produced is all of God, and God wants us to produce much fruit. In much fruit, He's glorified. People don't, listen, people don't see Christ unless they see Him in us. Think about that for a minute. I heard one person go, I said, he said, man, I'd have got saved a whole lot sooner than I would have, except for the Christians that I knew. He was a long-haired hippie guy back in the hippie days. He walked into a church. He sat in the back. The pastor preached the gospel, gave an altar call. Who wants to get saved? He walked down to the front. The pastor walked over to him and said, don't, you, I'm not going to pray for you to be saved. You need to go cut your hair and come back, and then we'll pray for you to be saved. 
He said, I, I, he said, I can get saved for five more years. Five more years. This guy needed to get saved. Amen. Well, thank God it's not like that. Whosoever, doesn't matter how long your hair is, how short it is, whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Redemption is the great substitution. God in Christ Jesus took everything that was wrong with us and gave us everything that was right with Jesus. We are in Christ, in Him, the hope of the glory of God. One of the most amazing phenomenons or reality of redemption is this. We are in a brand new family. We are in the family of God. God Himself is our Heavenly Father. Jesus is, the, is our Redeemer. And the Holy Ghost abides and empowers us. <laughs> Glory to God. Go, if you will, to the book of Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1. Before you do that, I want to read John 14 again. Now, excuse me, John 15 again. I brought my Passion Bible, so I, I was studying it, looking at it in there. I thought, I need to read that. Let me read this in, in, in the, John 15, 15 again in a Passion Bible. Jesus is speaking. I am, the, I am the true sprouting vine, and the farmer who tends the vine is my father. He cares for the branches connected to my to me by lifting and propping up the fruitless branches and pruning every fruitful branch so it can yield a greater harvest. The words I've spoken over you already cleansed you, so you must remain in life union with me, for I remain in life union with you. For as a branch severed from the vine will not be bear fruit, so your life will be fruitless unless you live your life intimately joined to mine. I am the sprouting vine. You are my branches. As you live in union with me as your source, fruitfulness will stream from within you. Hallelujah. But when you live separated from me, you are powerless. If a person is separated from me, he is discarded. Just as branches are gathered up and thrown into fire to be burned. But if you live in life union with me, and in my, in my words, live powerfully within you, then you can ask whatever you desire, and it will be done. When your lives bear abundant fruit, you demonstrate that you are my mature disciples who glorify my Father. Isn't that good? Now, now go to Colossians. Colossians chapter 1. Let me get over there. I was there for a minute. And pulled my marker out. Colossians chapter 1. Now notice this. Beginning there in verse 12. Giving thanks unto the Father which hath made us meet are able to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. Now notice that. Giving thanks unto the Father. Now here's something we've looked at. This is the third week. Giving thanks unto the Father who hath, which hath. Past tense. Everybody say past tense. Now this removes... The religious idea of trying to get God to do something for you. Now let me say that again. This removes the idea, well I, 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 I'm, I heard somebody say this the other day, I'm bombarding heaven, begging God. Why? That's not the covenant we live in. Did you know that's strange to God? Just as it would be strange to you if you had a child or your children came to you and bombarded and begged you for food or a place to sleep or, or, or a place to live. That, that, it's automatic. They're in the family. I said they're in the family. 
the children of the family enjoy all the benefits of the family. No, he's done it. He's already done it. Everybody say, he's already done it. Which hath made us able, now notice this, to be partakers, partakers of the inheritance. Oh, I'll be so glad when we get to heaven. We'll get to enjoy our inheritance. God says, no, enjoy it now on the earth. Your inheritance of healing, your inheritance of righteousness, your inheritance of peace and joy, all of the inheritance that God has provided for us. And listen, people kind of get like this. Well, I tell you, I don't know why I'm not enjoying any of it. Are you doing what you're supposed to do to enjoy it? Say, say you had a benevolent loved one that you didn't know about. You didn't know about them. And they, they, they lived a life, became very wealthy, owned a lot of land, property, had all kinds of money in the bank. They died without an heir, but in their will, they required of, their, of, their, of the lawyers that took care of the estate to find, to look, to search, and see if there be any heir to the inheritance. And they look and look and look and look, search and search with all the computers we have today and all the, and they find you. You get a letter in the mail. You never knew your Uncle Bob, but he knew you. He knew you well enough to ask us to search for you. And we've searched for you and found you. Now, Uncle Bob has passed into his reward. But what he has done, he's left you $108 million. He's left you 10,000 acres of land. On that land are six oil wells. You have a beautiful house in Maui. You have, a, you, have a, you have another one in Stuttgart, Arkansas. That's where the duck hunting's real good, so that's, you know, that's where I want my house to be, amen. <laughs> one in Hawaii to surf and one in Arkansas to duck hunt. I mean, come on. Amen. Too beautiful. And so you read the letter. You shout about it. You tell everybody. You fold it up and put it on the shelf. Several weeks ago by the lawyers call you, contact you. Say, hey, did you not get our letter? Yeah, we got our letter. Well, you're going to have to come down to our office. We're going to have to put this will into probate. We're going to have to, to, to you know, mitigate all the, all the provisions of the will. And we're going to have to go through all this process. There will be lawyers involved. There will be courts involved. There will be documents involved. And you're like, no, I, don't, I ain't got time for that. I don't like lawyers. I don't like courts. I don't like documents. Just give me my money. We can't do it that way. It's an inheritance. Are you with me? Here's your inheritance right here. This entire document is a document of your inheritance. And he, listen, here's the thing. If you had an Uncle Bob that died and left you all that, but somehow he came back to life as a lawyer with only one assignment, and that was to help you get your inheritance, then you'd have the picture of Jesus. Jesus died. He shed his blood. The inheritance is written in his blood and he has come back as your advocate at the right hand of the Father who is the judge of the universe and your heavenly Father. It ain't, it ain't that hard if you'll just get into it. Glory. Made us partakers, partakers, partakers of the inheritance of the saints of the light. Now, verse 11. Who hath delivered us from the power of darkness, notice hath, and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. So he hath delivered us, he hath translated us. Now, in order to be delivered from something, you have to go to where it is. 
If you were driving home and you had a flat tire and you're over at, you know, 61st and Stewart Road, and you're pulled off on the side of the road and, and, and you call me on the phone and say, now, Pastor Rusty, I, I'm over here. I need to be delivered of this flat tire. And I say something like, well, I'll pray for you. You think, well, I guess I need to call someone else. Because you really don't need somebody just to pray for you. You need somebody to come do something about the flat tire. They need to come to where you are with the problem. They need to come to where you are with the problem. They need to come to where you are with the problem. 2,000 years ago, God came to where we were with the problem. He came to us to deliver us from the power of darkness. You say, what is darkness? Anything of the devil. Sickness is of the darkness. Addiction is of the darkness. Depression, poverty, lack. All this junk and drama, everything that is demonic in this earth is the darkness of our adversary. But Jesus came to what? Deliver us. Everybody say deliver. But not just, now that we could shout about that, amen, all day long. Shout about what we've been delivered out of. Shout about how good things are. Listen, but then he said this, and, we know that's a conjunction, tying two thoughts together, and hath, past tense again translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. Now, if you're delivered, someone comes to where you are. If you're translated, someone brings you to where they are. That's why you're in Christ. That's why he is the branches. That's why you are the vine. You are in him as organically as the fruit is connected to the tree. All of us are part of the fruit of salvation. Did you know every one of us are the fruit of someone's ministry who preached the gospel? And we heard and responded by being myself. It was my, my, my Sunday school teacher when I was six, six years old, Letha Groover, who was also a school teacher. Taught the children of our church in Pasadena, Texas, Brother and Sister Goodwin's church. She taught the children one Sunday morning as she taught the importance of knowing that you're born again. I raised my hand. I walked up there. I prayed the sinner's prayer and I knew beyond a shadow of a doubt I was born again. I became the fruit of her Sunday school ministry. And I was privileged about, oh, I don't know, about 20 Two, 23 years ago, I was preaching on a Sunday morning up in Lamarck at, at, at Pastor Hallam's church, and guess who's in the audience? Ernie and Letha Groover sitting right there. And I got to show everybody who led me to the Lord when I was six years old. Fruit of her ministry to this day. And the thing about it is, when I get to heaven and all the fruit of our ministry, before I step up and receive it, guess who steps up and receives it? She does. Um, you ought to get excited over that. That means you need to get out there and win some souls. You never know who they'll become. And hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. Now, next verse says, In whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sin. Let me read this in. I like this also in the message. Excuse me, not the message, but the Passion Bible. And we pray that you would be energized with all this explosive power from the realm of his magnificent glory, filling you with great hope. Your hearts can soar with joyful gratitude when you think how God made you worthy to receive the glorious inheritance freely given to us by living in the light. He has rescued us completely. Oh, glory to God. He has rescued us completely from the tyrannical rule of darkness and has translated us into the kingdom realm of His, of his beloved Son. For in the Son, 
all of our sins are canceled and we have the release of redemption through his very blood. I don't know about you, but I like these words. This is a good report. These are good words. Now, so God has delivered us out of, but he's also brought us into. There's the dilemma. Many people are only acquainted with what God has delivered them out of. Well, you know, I used to be this, I used to be that. Used to do this, used to do that. Used to smoke this, used to smoke that. Used to watch this, used to, used to and everybody could be, yeah, this is what. But it's really not what you've been delivered out of that's going to put you over. It's what God has translated you into. That's where your victory is. That's where your inheritance is. That's where the blessings of God are. I know I've told this story probably a dozen times over the years. I came back to the Lord. I'd been away from God for 12 years. When I was 28 years old, I got right with God 36 years ago. I got right with God, and I began to serve God. And it, well, listen, it didn't start out just, you know, glory unspeakable and full of glory. There was a fight that went on. I mean, my old lifestyle, my own life, everything tried to come back into my life. All the temptation, all of the people, people couldn't understand. Why are you doing this now? What drug have you done now that caused you to think you've seen God or something like that, you know? People think all kinds of crazy things. And so I just begin the process of serving God. You've got to do it. You've got to begin the process. Now listen to me. You've got to begin the process of serving God. You've got to begin the process of serving God. You've got to begin the process of serving God every day. Or you will get frustrated. Or you will get discouraged. Or you will get offended. And your enemy and all that darkness will take you back out. You say, now what do you mean by that? Did you know when you lived in darkness, you lived in it every day? You lived in it every day. You practiced that lifestyle every day. You smoked dope every day. You drank every day. You did this every day. You did that every day. You did, it was an every day. It was your lifestyle. But now you've been taken out of that. And you can't maintain any kind of spiritual life just coming to church once on Sunday. Every day you've got to be in the Word. Every day you've got to pray. Every day you've got to meditate. Every day you've got to press in and enjoy the benefits of your inheritance. Now let me, let me help you real quick because I want to help people. If you don't do that, then your spiritual life will consist of you trying to get God to do something about problems in your life. That's all you'll be doing. I need healing. I need prosperity. I need this. I need that. I need this. I need that. Your, your, your entire spiritual life will be need-based. And all of your communication and interaction with God will be based solely on your need. Now, now what if somebody treated you like that? That every time you, that you saw them, you saw them on the street, you saw them at Kroger's, you saw them at the beach, saw them at the bait camp. Every time you saw them, they come and say, hey, man, you know, I, I need $20. And, and not only that, I, if you could take me down and buy me a, see the tire on my car right there? I think it's about to go flat. Well, could you take me down and buy me a, buy me a new tire? And, and you know, by, by the way, you know, I, I had to take the dog to the vet and I owe $110 at the vet. Could you pay that bill for me? I mean, every time you met that person, they talked to you like that. How long would it be? So you try to start avo avoiding that person. You see him coming, you think, you know. I don't. <laughs> Thank God he's more merciful than that. But listen, what a way to live for God when God's given you an Listen, your, your, your spiritual strength, your spiritual momentum, your spiritual might comes from not trying to get God to meet all your needs. He's already done it. 
my God hath supplied all of my needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. No, your strength comes from what? Entering into your inheritance. That which God says, this belongs to you. That belongs to you. This is in the physical realm. This is in the financial realm. This is in the spiritual realm. This is in the mental realm. All of this is your inheritance. Go in and get it. Go read the documents. Go to the lawyer. Get into the courts. Get your inheritance and enjoy it the rest of your life. So when I first came back to the Lord, I, I went to some meetings. I went up to Tulsa, was in some meetings. I went other places and through prayer and counseling with others, I figured out I was supposed to go to Bible school. So I ended up in Bible school in September of 1984. I began to study and be in these classes and all this wisdom and knowledge about redemption, just this enormous amount of information. And then that next thing you know, after nine months, Bible school is over. I've got a graduation certificate a couple other certificates I had earned. And I'm just kind of out now. I'm preaching, I'm out ministering, I'm out. Much of the ministry in those early days was in an organization called Full Gospel Businessmen. I don't know if anybody remembers Full Gospel Businessmen, but I would go to Full Gospel Businessmen, which were businessmen that would gather together and they would put on a banquet. And at that banquet, they would get people to get up and share their testimony. Now, they would use out of the Bible a scripture in Roman, excuse me, in Revelations chapter 14 that says we are overcomers by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. So they wanted to know what is your testimony. And listen, don't get me wrong, that was a tremendous organization that won millions of people to Jesus through powerful inspirational testimonies. I mean, we heard some that were just absolutely... We, we were at a convention, my dad and I one time, and a, a, a doctor had reattached the arm of a young boy up in Fort Worth who had had his arm severed in a farming accident. And this doctor had no idea to do that. You're talking about microsurgery, literally doing surgery with a microscope. And he went and prayed, and there were two Holy Ghost nurses and prayed, and they reattached this arm. This is back, back in the early 80s. Reattached this arm with full function. And they give all the credit to God. They'd go tell that testimony, and hundreds of people would come up and get saved. It's powerful. Oh, there, was, there was a guy, they used to have the eye, some of y'all used to, maybe you'd seen him. He had an eye that had been put out, and there wasn't even an eye in it. There was no eyeball in the socket, no eyeball, none at all. Actually, they had fitted him with a glass eye, but he didn't like it, it was uncomfortable. But sometimes in church he'd wear it. So they'd get him, and they'd tape his eye up, and they'd pull out his glass eye, and he could read any. They'd get people, give him driver's license, they'd give him Bibles, and he could just go in and he could just read it and read it. So, oh, that's some kind of trick. They had him on, uh, what was that show? Uh, that's incredible. That might date some of us. But they had him on the That's Incredible. He did the same thing. Just sit there and super nice. He'd get up and share his testimony. People get saved. Anyway, I was going to these chapters. That's where I met many of the pastors that I knew. They invited me to their church. But I was not able to preach. They wanted to hear my testimony. So I'd get up and rehearse 12 years of stupidity. And the more I did it, the less detail I tried to give to it, you know. The more I tried to encroach over into preaching, but they didn't want that. They wanted, you're overcome by the bloody lamb and the word of your testimony. So I was down in Harlingen, Texas in the spring of 1985, staying in the home of Dr. Oscar Hamilton and ministering at a church in Robstown and at the Full Gospel Businessman chapter of Harlingen, Texas, which was a quite large chapter. 
So that Saturday evening, we went down to that beautiful cafeteria and got our trays and we we're eating. About 600 people gathered into this ballroom. And I got up and I shared my testimony. And, and every time I did, the Holy Ghost would take it in a different direction. And uh, this particular one, I was talking about forgiveness, about the people I had to forgive, people I had to, had to go to and tell them, of, you know, I'm sorry, I, please forgive me. Others, I had to forgive them. And then when I did that and was drawing the meeting to a close, a woman just stood up and said, may I say something? And I said, sure, you know, I mean, I was just a young minister. I didn't really know a whole lot about conducting a service. So she stood up and she said out loud, Dr. Hamilton, he was sitting right on the front, I hate you. I thought, oh my God, this isn't going good at all, you know. Then she began to weep, and big tears began to run down her face. And she said, when I was a young girl, you treated me for severe acne. And the treatment and the acne caused my face to be pitted. And I've thought I've been ugly for years. He said, but you know, I got saved a few weeks back. And I came to this meeting tonight. I knew you would be here. And after hearing this young man share his testimony, I want to tell you, Dr. Hamilton, I forgive you and I love you. And when she said that, the Spirit of God fell on that entire meeting. And it was just an outstanding meeting. People got saved, filled with the Holy Ghost, touched, delivered. But I went back to Dr. Hamilton's house and I was staying in his guest bedroom. We had a beautiful uh, uh, home there in Harlingen. And I fell across the bed and, and I said, Lord, I, I just, I, this is just driving me crazy to get up and over and over and over, talk about all of the dumb, the crime, the violence, the hate, the lifestyle, everything. It just, I just don't want to do that. Uh, you've loaded me up with all this information from Bible school. I want to go preach the gospel. And I remember pray, praying that, that, that evening, that night. And the Lord speaking to me, out, right out of the word. You're an overcomer by the blood of the Lamb and the word of your testimony. I didn't catch it the first time. So I made, you know, my pity party for another 10 minutes telling God why I didn't do what I was doing, didn't want to do what I was doing. He said it again. But you overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of your testimony. Still didn't get it. So the third time, after again, Lord, please let me go preach. You're an overcomer by the blood of the Lamb and the word of your testimony. Then he said this, your problem is you don't see in my word that it's not what I brought you out of that put you over. It's what I brought you into that put you over. You know what I did? I got my notebook. I got me a Bible. And I wrote me a brand new testimony. You say, now why is that? Because we have been delivered from the power of darkness. I thank God for every testimony. I can look around. I know some of you were, had lifestyles and, and different addictions and different things in your life. But God has delivered you out of that darkness. But that darkness is not going to put you over or being delivered out of that darkness is not going to put you over and empower you to receive your inheritance. What does that is the translation. Him bringing you into Himself. He is the branch. You are the vine. He wants you to produce fruit so he can cut you back and produce more fruit so he can cut you back. I know we don't grow a lot. Most of our fruit trees are uh, have a citrus bend to them. Amen? And I know years ago at a house we lived in, we had a, a nice satsuma tree. And, and one year it had like a half a dozen. Another year it had maybe a dozen. And then the next year after that, it just maybe three. Remember that? About three satsumas and they were kind of watery. So I, I knew I need to cut this tree back. 
So I went to prune it. Leah never liked how I prune trees. <laughs> she don't let me trim, trim Christmas trees anymore because we used to buy a nine foot so we'd have a seven foot. <laughs> so I'm not allowed to trim Christmas trees anymore. But anyway, I took that Satsuma tree and I cut it back. To almost looks like a twig sticking up out of the ground. But that fall, that thing was, I had to literally take a stick and take that stick and drive it into the ground and stake that thing out because there was so much fruit on that tree. See, there are times when God cuts us back a little, prunes us back so we can do what? So we can bear more fruit. You've got to understand, church, you have, it's already happened, you have been delivered from all of that power of darkness. And listen, when I think about the ominous darkness that's coming on the earth right now, think about it. All that's going on, the potential of what could happen. I think about the Bible, the Word of God. How you know the last entrance into this book was over 2,000 years ago. We are literally gathering together every week and every almost every day praying because we pray the Word over a document or a book that has not been added to in over 2,000 years. Yet it's more accurate today than any other book that's ever been written as we see the end of time unfolding. See, a lot of people, they don't understand. I was driving the other day coming back from, I'd been up in Winnie, and I was coming back, and I was, the, it came on the news that they were fixing to do this, uh, this uh, peace, of, peace agreement with Bahrain. They've already done. Did you know that there is a five-nation consortium in the Bible that's talked about that Israel will make peace with right before Jesus returns? Did you know we go to heaven seven years before that? And this is the second one? And there's, there's another two more in the, in, the, in the pipeline right now to be signed? And we're asleep at the wheel not realizing we've been translated into this Tremendous inheritance to live out the last of the last days in the glory of God, in the glory of His provision, in the glory of His protection. Amen. Bible talks about pandemics that will come up on the earth. Thank God we don't have to be subject to not one of them. Not one of them. Not one of them. Wars and rumors of wars, earthquakes, great disasters. We got up this morning, looked at the Weather Channel, and it looked out across the Atlantic toward Africa, and there's one, two, three, what was there? Seven circles of, of tropical storms, tropical debris. The world's coming to an end. Everybody's freaking out, you know. In the midst of it, God is going to have a people who lives in His glory, who produces fruit, who glorify Him, who are unafraid, who are bold as lions, harmless as doves. Wise as serpents. You say, you really think that can be us? No, I know it's us. That's why we study the Word. That's why we see ourselves in Christ having been delivered. I remember the next time I was invited to a full gospel businessman meeting was in Beaumont, Texas. What was that guy's name? Casey Jones. He was a character. I walked up to him. He said, hi, I'm Casey Jones. He handed me a card. He, on the card it said, this is my card. That's all it said. <laughs> That's what it said, this is my card. Then he handed me another card. You know what it said on there? This is your card. <laughs> he was a character. I mean, he, he, he had a testimony. He, he moved houses. That was one of his many businesses. He moved houses. 
and, and he, he, he had about 20 old heathen men that worked for him that just mocked him because he was a Christian. And he had been praying for a miracle to convince these men that, that, that his God was real. And so they had gotten to a job about 60 miles from where their warehouse was. And, and the main chain that they needed, which was some tra tra uh, chain that they used to, uh, to wrap around these uh, houses, as they put them on these big trailers, they had forgotten it. So he said, all of a sudden, he said, I was just inspired by the Spirit of God. He said, I gathered all them 20 heathen men around me. He said, they were laughing at me. Yeah, you're going to get a miracle from God, huh? Yeah, they were just mocking him, you know. So he said, I just prayed a simple prayer. Lord, show these heathens there is a God in heaven and send me a chain right now. He said, as soon as he said amen. He said, one of these little trucks. He said, back then there wasn't a lot of, uh, uh, you know, vehicles from, from overseas. So a little truck was kind of unusual to see. Everything was a big Ford or a Dodge or a Chevy. But here come this little foreign truck down the road. And he said, it came around this corner 60 miles an hour. At a corner you should only be doing about 40. But when it did, he said, the, the tailgate flew open and a chain flew out and coiled itself right at my feet. The exact chain we needed. He said, every one of those men knelt, knelt right in front of that chain. Gave their heart to the Lord. Now, how can you get crazy enough to believe something like that? See, that's most people's problem. Their faith isn't crazy. I said their faith isn't crazy. But you've got to get far enough into your inheritance when where your faith becomes abstract and you're willing to believe God beyond the scope of anything you've ever imagined. Because he is the God that does exceedingly abundantly above all we ask or think. So when I went to Beaumont to give my testimony, I opened up my Bible. I had all my scriptures marked. Back then I had a Thompson Chain Reference Bible where you can run your references. And I started in 2 Corinthians 5, 17. And I told everybody, here's my testimony. Because I'm an overcomer by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of my testimony. So I said, here we go. I'm a new creature in Christ Jesus. Old things have passed away. All things are new for me. He that knew no sin was made sin on all my behalf. Because of that, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Thank you, Heavenly Father, that I abide in the branch. I'm the vine, and I bear much. And I just went on through all those redemptive scriptures, and I preached, and I preached, and I preached, and they said, that's really good but we don't want you anymore. But I did okay after that. Amen. We do all have great testimonies of what God has delivered us out of. But if you're going to live in the fullness of the covenant and the inheritance we have in Christ, you're going to have to come over into the translation part and begin to live your life in Christ. Amen. Give the Lord a shout this morning. Glory to God. Thank you, Heavenly Father. Thank you, Lord God. Real quick, nobody looking around, every head bowed, every eye closed. That begins with a conscious decision in your own life to make Jesus your Lord and Savior, or if Jesus is your Lord and Savior, and you've not been living right, you've not been doing right, you've not been living for God like you should, you've broken your fellowship, you need to get right with God. So either way, you say, Pastor, I've never made Jesus Lord. I, I, I really don't even know what that means. But I want to. Or you say, I do need to get right with God. I was so much closer to Him at some other time in my life. And I need to restore the fellowship. 
Because I know God never broke the relationship. So with no one looking around, every head bowed, every eye closed, anyone at all, you say, that's me, Pastor, please pray with me. Would you lift your hand high? Anyone at all? One hand, two hands, anyone else? You can put your hand down once you've raised it. Anyone else? Quickly as I, I look around. Now, two people have raised their hand. So here's what we're going to do. I want us to stand, if everyone will stand. Thank you for standing. Praise God. You that lifted your hand, I just want you to stand right there where you're at. But here's what I want you to do. The church, everyone here at the church is going to help you. This is about, oh, maybe a little more than half our church. We have a little more, few less people in our first service. So this part of the church is going to agree with you as you pray. And we're going to pray out loud, encouraging you to pray out loud so your own ears hear what your voice is saying. And in doing that, we want you, when we say amen, to settle it. You say, settle what? To settle, I'm right with God. I'm going to, I've gotten right. I'm going to stay right. Everybody say, I've gotten right. I'm going to stay right. Island Church, you're going to help them out? Here we go. Heavenly Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, I confess Jesus Christ as my Lord, my Savior. Born of a virgin, lived a sinless life, foretold in the scriptures, did signs, wonders, and miracles, died on a cross, rose from the dead, did it all for me. I believe it. I receive it. I accept it areas of my life which do not please you, Lord. I ask your forgiveness. I confess it to you and you alone, knowing that the blood of Jesus cleanses me from all sin and all unrighteousness. Thank you, Father. Here at Island Church, September the 13th, 2020, I'm right with God. I've been delivered. I've been delivered. I've been delivered from the power of darkness. I'm translated into the kingdom of His dear Son. His inheritance is mine. It's mine. Heavenly Father, help me to receive it. In Jesus' name. Amen. Give them a hand clap. Give them a big hand clap. Hallelujah. You that prayed that prayer, we want to help you do that. Come to church. Come, come for prayer. Come for whatever you need. You need a family to serve God with. That will help you tremendously in entering into your inheritance. Amen. Praise God. Let's pray and be dismissed. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for today. Lord, as is our custom, we declare our protection for this week. No evil befalls us. No plague comes near our dwelling place. Angels have charge over us. We declare, Heavenly Father, that as we travel in the highways, the airways, the seaways, the railways, or any other way of travel or transportation, we are protected. Lord, in our righteous labor, those that work in the plants, those that work at UTMB, those that work at American National, our contractors, our, our, our real estate people, all of our men and women, those that own their own businesses, those that work employed by others, we declare we're not subject to trauma, to terror, to evil plans of wicked men or the devil himself. We abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Father, we thank you for the fruit of evangelism in our heart. Let us go out from this place and enter into that door of utterance in which we become the answer to people's prayer. A 
problem to the devil, a miracle in someone's life. We thank you, Heavenly Father. Freely we have received, freely we shall give. We leave today walking in faith and love towards you, Lord. We walk in love toward one another. Thank you for our church. We leave as the ambassadors of Christ you've called us to be. Thanking you, Lord, here at Island Church. We're covered by the blood. Come on. Empowered by the Word. Anointed by the Holy Spirit. Thank you for listening to Island Church's podcast. To find out more information about Island Church in Galveston, Texas, visit our website at islandchurchgalveston.com. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah.